This is The Playbook. This is Dave Meltzer with Entrepreneurs The Playbook, and I'm hungry. Not like Les Brown hungry, but actually hungry. Uh, Reminding me of my days down in Louisiana at Tulane Law School. I have Todd Graves with me, founder of the incredible Raising Cane's Chicken Fingers. He's the man. I I look at the brand and I'm just thinking, God, I could eat all day long if I knew I wouldn't gain weight and I'd eat Raising Cane's if it was. Welcome, of course, to uh, The Playbook, my friend. Well, thank you for having me on. I love yeah, what you well, do. I love what you do. And what you do is so real because you actually were raised in Baton Rouge. You know, you're not some uh, commercial guy that didn't, uh, you know, didn't experience what true chicken fingers and, and fried chicken should be about. You actually were raised on Raising Cane's. And for you, at what point in your career did you decide that you'd take this personal passion and pass it through to the rest of the country? Well, you know, this was a this was a college dream. Raising Canes was my my dream, and it's actually wrote uh, a really good business plan. At least I thought for a business planning class at LSU, and it actually got the worst grade in the class. Uh, well, I got I got to stop you there because you know I'm from California. You know, although I went to Louisiana for law school, um, and there's a, a company called Rubio's, and the gentleman who founded Rubio's, it's Fish Tacos right? More to the region of San Diego. And he got an F on his business plan as well. So (laughs) one of the things I do as an entrepreneur and investor is I go to business schools and I ask them, hey, can you let me see? I'm curious how I can help some of the worst students. Can you give me the worst business plans? (laughs) And I end end up investing in guys like you and in ideas like yours, because these professors have no idea how to make money. (laughs) Uh, But that's actually a brilliant investment strategy. I might, uh, I might, I might, I might uh, join me up from you, man. Yeah, I mean, look, the, 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 the professor, he was an easy grader. It was only a B minus. It was an F. I wish it was an F now, you know, to add to that story. But, you know, it, being a professor, trying to teach students, uh, the idea then was uh, where quick service was going, said, hey, great plan. I mean, I even knew how much my aprons would cost. I mean, I, I grew up in the in the restaurant business. And so I knew this. But he said, you know, look, McDonald's is adding healthy menu items. Quick service is adding all these extra varieties to not get this veto vote. Like some, just one person in the car don't want to go there. But I was like, yeah, no, you know, doing one thing and doing it better than anybody else, that focus, it just seems like a winning strategy to me. Uh, And so I didn't give up on it, right? But that's the best thing you could tell an entrepreneur is you can't do it. Because when you tell that entrepreneur you can't do it, it's like fuel to the fire to be determined to make it happen, you know. And so, like, I went to the, I took that business plan, went to the you know, every bank in Baton Rouge. So they, they were nice enough to me, but you know, got the common responses. Uh, you might want to do something else. You don't have any money. You don't have years <laughs> of management experience. You know, all those things. Which each one was basically a no. Just just fired me up that much more. I had to go work with refineries in Los Angeles and commercial fish in Alaska to raise enough money to start that first location, Northgate's LSU, which I was fortunate enough to be able to reconstruct myself um, and to keep costs down. And uh, then decided a couple couple days before opening, name it after my dog, Raising Cane. And then uh, that was in 1996, 26 years ago. And uh, kind of the rest is the rest is uh, is history as far as a story in the past. And I can tell you, I'm still just as fired up now. I feel like we're just getting warmed up to take Raising Cane's into the future. Yeah, well, I keep on seeing them popping up everywhere. And as we talked about earlier, my favorite 
my son's favorite restaurant. It would be my favorite if at 55, I could eat it every day like he can at 12. Uh, you know, I'm hoping I'm not taking years off his life, but we'll find out soon enough, but it's worth it. <laughs> not at that age, man. They could eat it three times a week and they just burn it up. You know, you start getting over, over, you get on this fifth floor like you and I are, we got to kind of cut back a bit. Although I will tell you, when I graduated law school, I met a man named uh, in Thibodeau, Louisiana, uh, Grandpa Noe, and uh, he ate uh, fried food every day, smoked three packs of cigarettes and drank every single day. And he was 101 years old. So I, I always say there's a happy aspect of food that a lot of people don't give credit for. And of course, genetics play a key role. More importantly, though, um, you are your stereotypical successful entrepreneur. You enjoy the consistent everyday, persistent without quit pursuit of your potential with the passion that you have. But you also have something that, you know, I think a lot of people overlook, you know, I deal with a lot of entrepreneurs. I myself, you know, was a rags to riches, rags to riches story. Um, mm -hmm. But you have to have a quality product, right? Like literally my mouth waters when I think of your food and, you know, not just the, the chicken, but the bread and like the sauces, like everything makes my, I'm having trouble interviewing you right now because I'm thinking about it, you know. It is important to have a, quali a quality product, quantifiably valuable product. Uh, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs have the will in the way, but they haven't take, taken the time to, to really have a quality offering, a quantitative value to what you do. And that's one of the aspects of Raising Cane's that I, as a, an entrepreneur and business person, I look at quantitative value and the ability to articulate that the quality of your food is just better than everyone in your space. And uh, for you, how long did that take? Because you, you know, maybe you stole your grandma's recipe. I don't know, but you still have to be able to execute and scale the quality of your grandma's recipe. If that's what you have uh, to millions of people. Yeah, you, you nailed it because, you know, it, I, I see two things and I constantly speak to young aspiring entrepreneurs, whether it's at a college campus or just off the streets and it's one of two things, you know, you can see somebody with that has a great idea and a great concept, but doesn't have the drive, that's not going to work. Or you have that, that entrepreneur that has the drive, but doesn't have that, that concept, that product, you know, that's going to make it. And so you have to marry the two, right? And so for like Raising Cane's, it's like you nailed it on the quality. It's the highest quality ingredients I can do and deliver that in a cooked order fashion to my customer. And so what that quality does, it makes crave. And craveability is key in the restaurant business because you have to crave that food and you have to want to go back and, and do that. And if you compromised on quality, uh, then you lose that crave, which a lot of people, have, like, a lot of businesses have done that in my space. They've cut, they've cut quality and then you don't crave it as much. And then ultimately sales go down. Uh, although those margins, the bottom went up for a little bit, they eventually go down because sales go down. And so I think it's important to one, have that always, always believe in quality because people want it and then they'll pay for it and they crave it. They'll come back um, repetitively um, and to not, not try to be all things to all people. And this applies to any business focus. So Raising Kings, I've had the same menu for 26 years. I, I haven't even added dessert to the menu because I don't want to lose focus. And I haven't seen something that has, uh, I, 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 I don't want to lose focus. because I don't want to go and cook something different. And if it's a prepackaged, I can't find the quality it works. So I'm like, don't concentrate on that. 
concentrate on growth and making your operations and your systems better for those restaurant leaders in those restaurants. So I, I, I think you nailed it with the quality we, when we take it in to crave the restaurant business, but also that focus. Don't try to be all things to all people. Do what you're good at. Focus on it. And then be able to execute. And uh, in, in my business, look, we have to execute. We have 700 restaurants right now serving people right now. And most are a million people today, you know, going through our drive-thrus. But how do you consistently do that great, right? How's that, how's that, how's the person working in the kitchen, which I love, uh, or working the drive-thru, which I love as well, to keep them motivated to deliver that perfect product, but also do it friendly and do it quickly. That's being able to execute on that. And uh, if I had a lot of other things going on and I couldn't focus on that stuff, we would, uh, we would slip. I love it because people buy an emotion for logical reasons and that craveability is best defined as when you drive by or get to see a sign and you're like, whoa, 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 dad, 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 go through the drive-through. That's craveability at its essence. Now, one of the piece of advice uh, lessons that I've learned recently, I was with a guy named Bob Parsons, who uh, was the founder of a small company called GoDaddy. I think his <laughs> personal exit was $4 billion. Uh, he's in his 70s now. And when I'm looking at what you're doing today, it's so interesting because what I thought was going to be the stereotypical answer when I asked him, hey, man, you really appear like you love what you do, Bob. And, you know, same thing holds true with you, Todd. You know, you just love what you do. And he's like, well, Dave, you know, when you love what you do, and I thought for sure he's going to say, you know, you never work a day in your life. And I know you and I both subscribe to that, but it was even more relevant. He said, you know, Dave, if you love what you do or can learn to love what you do and everything about what you do, it's going to tell you all its secrets. And not only does this apply to you, but you've actually taken that secret idea of loving what you do and finding the secrets and bringing the world's best, just like I do on office hours, to find the secret sauce. You know, this is the playbook to success. And A&E is airing every Saturday now. Uh, this month, I think at 1 p.m. Eastern time, uh, your show, you've been on a ton of shows. I've seen you, you're excellent on them, all types of entrepreneurial uh, shows. But this show is right up my alley because it's called Secret Sauce. And it's about people who love what they do and they're telling their secrets that they found through that love and passion, including people you know that I love, like Shaq is on your first episode, Snoop, uh, Jalen Ramsey, uh, all type Kendra Scott, all types of killer people. And please put me in line as an applicant to be a guest because <laughs> I would love to give up my secret sauce of yeah. success and failure because I think there's a lot of secret sauces that come from failure as well. Absolutely. For you... You know, what was your unique angle at the secret sauce component of this t new TV show on A&E? Yeah, I just, you know, how it feels, David, to be fortunate and being entrepreneurs and starting from nothing and having so much risk to make it happen. You just you're always appreciative and, you, and it never leaves you. And so it really has led me to a life of purpose, you know, and so I mean, I believe God made me good at chicken fingers to help people. Right. And I have 50,000 crew members. Great place to work. Growth opportunities from within. I, you know, I service millions of customers and we get to earn their money. And then we, we get to get back millions, hundreds of millions of dollars to the communities we do business in. And as we scale the business, which motivates me is I have a larger platform to help people. And so, you know, and it's really hard too, David, as you know, it's just hard to keep driving your business. It's a lot of work and there's times where it's just the grind. And I get inspired by, uh, you know, other people are people they are on your show because you're like, hey, that inspires me to get up tomorrow morning and work just as hard. 
to keep going. And so as along the way, I, my chicken finger adventures, I met some really, uh, really great, neat and, and famous people, you know, whether it be Snoop Dogg or Shaq. And when they told me these stories about how they started, you know, like, like Shaq's basketball coach at 13 told him he'd never start, you know, <laughs> I mean, and, and it just blows me away, but I'm like, people need to hear this young people that are 13 right now that are already setting on what they want to do in life. And these young people need to say, wait, if, if, wait, I've been told no, you know, and, and, and when, and Shaq, he's one of the best centers in the history of the game and always will be. You're just like, that could inspire you, inspire these young kids to go for the dreams and don't let people discourage you and to go for it. Now you have to have the fundamentals. You got to be an incredible athlete to grow into like Shaq. But let me talk about Jalen Ramsey. You know, I mean, he, he, he got that third knee surgery when he was, in uh in high school and, and it was like hey i just don't think those dreams of you going pro is really going to work well he worked out twice as hard recovered and it and it drove him to become one of the best defensive backs in the country uh, these stories inspire me kendra scott she was taking her you know three month old around three months old and bringing a little tea box full of jewelry she's making she wanted a better life for her and her family and those stories i mean young women should hear that and say wait a minute she did that, you know, and, and you could do that after you had a baby and you can, you know, you can see your dreams come true. And those things are great. It's also about helping other people. I'm inspired by people like Martin Luther King, the third and like Snoop Dogg and, 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 and what he's trying to do, you know, for, for helping uh, kids and communities. Look, man, it's like uh, Danny Trejo, man. I asked him how, why, you know, Danny, why do you, you're one of the hardest working guys in Hollywood. Why do you do it? He's like, cause I have a platform. If I'm on TV or if I'm in the movies, these young kids will listen to me and I can tell them to not do drugs. I can tell them all these things and they'll listen to that character, you know? And so anyway, I just get inspired by it. I thought other people would too and help them go for their dreams, whatever that is they want to do someday. It was funny you say that because I wanted to be and finally became a sports agent with Lee Steinberg, obviously Jerry Maguire there. And our mission was, as we represented people like Evander Holyfield, when we put Evander on a PSA, a public service announcement that said, you know, real men don't hit women, that had a huge impact, right? Compared to guys like you and I that are on a commercial, it was like, who cares if Todd and Dave, right. you know, think we shouldn't be violent, but this is one of the most violent people in a ring and he's telling you it's not okay to do this. It does have a huge impact. The last thing that I think you bring about both in your personal and professional career and as a now entrepreneurial celebrity, we can thank guys like Gary V uh, that allow you and I to actually have a brand personally uh, that kids think entrepreneurship's cool. Uh, mm -hmm. and we've been doing this a long time when we used to tell people when you started Canes and I started my first business and I told people I was an entrepreneur, I would always back up and say, but I got a law degree because they would be <laughs> like, so, uh, you, you know, where, where are you waiting tables? If you're an entrepreneur, <laughs> right? Like you're an actor, that was, that was about the same respect as an entrepreneur, but what mindset I'm really interested in is great entrepreneurs like yourself and the guests that you have on your TV show, they have a different relationship with pain, setback and failure. They give a different meaning to the mistakes, voids, and obstacles and resistance of their past. And when we can teach people to give a meaning to our past that actually promotes and protects us, doesn't punish us, the whole world changes. For you, you know, whether it be COVID or some other challenges, what was one of the biggest challenges, mistakes, setbacks, or failures of your life? And what mindset did you put to it to protect and promote you to being where you are today? Yeah, you know, there's so many of them, and I continue to make mistakes, <laughs> <Me too. laughs> you know, constantly, and then we learn from them, and I think that's keeping an entrepreneurial type of 
professionally managed company is, hey, we're going to make mistakes. If not, we're not pushing ourselves, but we need to learn from them. But I would say the biggest one of my professional um, career with Keynes is, is that I overlevered the company as a younger entrepreneur. We had 28 restaurants and an interesting way of financing. And back then, banks were a lot more lenient, but uh, I would go get subordinated uh, uh, debt notes from, you know, just angel investors. I do a 15% return, you know, simple simple notes. I sign it personally. And basically we take that to all these little community, you know, community, community banks around Louisiana and they would consider it equity. I might raise $200,000 uh, subordinated debt and then they'd lend off that, which is not a, not a good thing to do. Um, you know, but I was, I was an entrepreneur. I was, uh, you know, I was, I did, I, risk did not bother me. And, uh, and, and growth was way more important, but when Hurricane Katrina hit, uh, 21 of our 28 restaurants uh, went down, whether it was just loss of power, whether it was damage to the building or flooding or whatever it was, 21 to 28. So when I had opened those restaurants off those subordinated uh, debt notes and bank financing, I created cash events because I didn't have to pay rent for 30 days. I didn't pay my vendors for two weeks. I didn't pay the crew for two weeks. And so all that created cash events. But then all of a sudden, bam, you go down, that cash is stopped. And, and, and all everything that's due uh, that I had to pay is still there. So um, thank goodness we rallied as a team. We opened restaurants pretty much before anybody else did in all the regions affected. Uh, we came together as a team and 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 really performed. But I could have I could have put us in a really, really terrible situation. And as a young man, that really, uh, you know, it, it really hit me to blow. I was really ashamed by it because I had a lot of crew members then that depended on me and their families did. And so um, I took that to heart and then created uh, uh, a better finance uh, and accounting division within my company. And I, I let them them guide me versus me guiding them uh, to what to do is. And we've been in a financially stable position uh, since that time. And I'll never go back. And it also, man, it also helped me realize, too, is is that you need to become a, a little more professionally managed as a business, um, but keep the entrepreneurial spirit and values. Yeah, I love the way you were able to ask for help and bring the team together. And for me, one of the greatest lessons was in 2008, I was over leveraged, but I didn't ask for help and ended up going bankrupt and losing over 100 million. And, you know, but it prepared me for the rest of my life in the last 15 years of being able to reestablish that. And through COVID, especially, uh, I was at a huge advantage of uh, being able to have that mindset of understanding you know, what it takes and asking for help and, you know, really propelling, promoting and protecting my business to another level over the last few years, uh, which I've seen Keynes do as well from COVID uh, in that acceleration, aggregation and uh, compounding of success that Todd Gray's represents, not only in his business, but in his community and also now on TV, which is super cool. Uh, the incredible entrepreneur, Todd Gray's founder of Raising Keynes Chicken Fingers, founder, chairman, CEO, fry cook and cashier still. And I'm putting my name in to be on the show someday. There's no better place for me. And you're always welcome on all my shows, Todd. Thank you for joining me here on Entrepreneurs, The Playbook.